Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Hello Pistons fans, and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Aaron Johnson and Ryan Pay here with you this week. Brendan Johnson, a game-time scratch from the lineup. We were expecting him, as usual, to host a podcast, but comes in with a late message saying he's unable to participate this week. Uh, You know, Brennan at times likes to call himself a leader, but no doubt he's let the team up here. Um, Let's just call the coach's decision. Let's just just leave it at that. We've decided we're better off as a two-sum than the three-sum. Coach's scratch. Get out of the lineup. We're more efficient with you out of here, Brennan. Go away. Get out of the lineup. Huh. That's what Dwayne Casey needs to say to Langston Galloway. But, oh, wow, what a segue. <laughs> the Pistons 4-1 and one in their last five games heading into the All-Star break. Uh, a final loss to Boston, 118-110. to Kept them from going 5-0 and heading into the All-Star break. But a uh, much better play from the Pistons here. They're the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. And uh, they're trending in the right direction after making some moves. And uh, you got to like what you're seeing in these last five games from Detroit. Oh, absolutely, Aaron. Uh, the last five games have been great. Outside the Boston game, that was one of the more wild games I've seen, not in terms of excitement, but the the crazy runs that happened in that game. They weren't just 8-0, 10-0 runs. It was literally 18-2, 20-2 runs by both teams. Uh, just a crazy game. But in general, 4-1 in the last five. The Pistons said their goal for the last seven games before the uh, – before the All-Star break was to go 5-2 and two at least, and they accomplished that. So they're trending in the right direction, back in the playoff picture in the East. Um, and if it keeps up after the All-Star break, this team could hit that 7 or 6 seed the way they've been playing. So it's nothing uh, to be too mad about. Yeah, Detroit currently sits at 26-30, and 30, a half game back from Charlotte, who's the 7th seed. But they're tied with Miami at 26-30 and 30 for the 8th seed. And the Orlando Magic, who have played hot basketball as of late, I believe they're on a five-game winning streak. They sit just a half game back of Detroit at 27-32. and 32. So um, the bottom part of the East in the playoff mix, uh, it's, it's close. So there are about four teams contending for that final spot. Or the final two spots, really. It seems like it always comes down to four teams every year. It in really the, does. For the seventh and eighth seed in these. But Detroit could make a push for the sixth seed. That's the best they could do this season. They don't have the firepower to get near the top five. Um, but I'm not sure how realistic the sixth seed is with the way Brooklyn is playing. Brooklyn just got back Karis LeVert. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie will be coming back shortly after the All-Star break. So that's a team. That's getting healthier and healthier as the season goes on. D'Angelo Russell continues to dominate. Uh, that's a really good team. I'm a big Nets guy. And it's crazy, just to talk about this for a minute here, it's crazy how a team like the Nets, who had the lowest of lowest expectations for this season, are somehow the sixth seed, and they're record-wise better than a Detroit team that had 
high playoff aspirations, wanted to compete for a top four seed in the East, take home court advantage in the playoffs. It's crazy how this is a scenario right now. And that's it's just a team of a bunch of young, excitable players who are talented. Uh, like you said, they didn't have any expectations really coming into the season. It was supposed to be another bottom out, hopefully get Zion or RJ Barrett or something like that type season. But their young talent is proving they're, they're here to play, they can play, and they're going to make a playoff push. And it's good to see from them. Guys like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, guys you and I are fans of, D'Angelo Russell, I always knew. You don't want, I mean, I'll just say, I always knew he was going to be good. He just needed to get out of L.A. That wasn't the right spot for him. And he came out this week and said getting out of L.A. was the best thing for him. And now he's a player. You could see it when he was at Ohio State playing. The dude had a future. And he's proven it in Brooklyn. And they're benefiting greatly from it. So, Detroit at 26-30, and 30, like I had mentioned. <coughs> Excuse me. Where are we expecting them to be at the end of the season? Right now, just with the way the season's, season's gone, I would expect them to get that eighth seed. I think, realistically, that's where they're going to be. I think they're going to slip up late in the season from getting that seventh seed because it's kind of been a disappointing season. That's kind of been the trend of the Pistons, but I do think they'll sneak into the playoffs and ultimately get swept by Milwaukee. And That's kind of where I guess this, this leads going to be. This leads into an interesting discussion because... I have I've had some some conversations with people about this, but picking a top four opponent for the Pistons in the East between Milwaukee, Toronto, and let's switch Philadelphia with Indiana because, and then Boston because I think Indiana is going to drop off without Victor Oladipo, and then obviously the Sixers with the improvements they made at the All Star break, they're only a game back from Indiana from you know taking a top four seed. So let's say the top four teams at the end of the year in the East are Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia. If you had to pick one of those teams to play Detroit, if you're the Pistons, who would you want to play? I want to play Toronto. I agree. I want. I think that's the best matchup for Detroit. Uh, we've seen it through this year. They can't really hang with Milwaukee too well. They had the one game come down to the buzzer, but in general, Milwaukee just kind of dominates them. They cannot handle Milwaukee. Um, Boston is Boston. I think once Kyrie gets going, I think he's going to dominate Reggie Jackson. And that's not an indictment on Reggie Jackson. I just think playoff Kyrie is going to be something special, and he'll take over the game. And Boston's going to get healthy with Aaron Baines coming back, and Terry Rozier, and um, and Kyrie Irving. And it's just not, It's once again, it's not a good matchup for Detroit. Uh, I don't want to play Philly. That starting five scares the hell out of me. Once again, Joel Embiid, I think, is better than Andre Drummond. And that's not a slight on Andre Drummond. But if Drummond gets taken out of the game by a better center, that hurts Detroit. And then you have Marcus Gasol, and you have Kyle Lowry, and you have Kawhi Leonard. Now, you don't have Stanley Johnson anymore defending Kawhi Leonard like he did in that first game up in Toronto. But that's Dwayne Casey going up against his former team. The guys would be more amped for that more juiced for that not saying they'd win that series because I don't think they would but I do think they would match up better I think Drummond would have have his way against Marcus Gasol uh but there's no one I don't think anyone in Toronto that's going to be able to stop Blake Griffin I just think that's a better matchup and that's who I'd want to play what yeah, do you think yeah I'm in I'm in complete agreement and I I really thought Toronto when the Pistons had Stanley Johnson just because of Johnson's ability to match up with Kawhi Leonard as you said but even after the 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 trade I think Detroit is best equipped to compete with Toronto. Um, I think that when you look at just the matchups, Detroit can handle you know, Kyle Lowry. They can handle Danny Green. 
Kawhi Leonard obviously is going to be tough, and for a Detroit team that doesn't play a wing that's taller than 6'6", you know, you really don't see how they're going to match up with them. Um, but I think I think Detroit could get away with just throwing so many different looks at him that you're able to stabilize him, or you just try to limit everyone else and let Kawhi do whatever Kawhi does. Um, but yeah, like for all the reasons you had mentioned, I just don't want to see Milwaukee or Philadelphia. Uh, the Boston situation for me is Detroit just, again, Boston's a team with a bunch of rangy 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", wings, and Detroit doesn't play a 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", wing on the roster. So they just wouldn't be able to match up with them defensively. You bring back Kyrie Irving. You bring back Aaron Baines. And that's a Boston team that... And I picked Boston to play in the NBA championship uh, before the season began. So I still have high hopes. I mean, seriously, for all their struggles this year and how, you know, Marcus Morris came out and said, you know, this is not fun here right now. We haven't had fun in a while. For all of that put together, I still can't doubt Brad Stevens because through his whole career, he's given you a reason not to doubt him. And then Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is possibly the top point guard in the whole NBA. That dude is special. I can't just write them off. No, you can't. I really think that they're going to be a team that is right there at, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think they. I think they're just as good as any of these other teams we've talked about. Um, but Toronto would be the best pick for Detroit, just because I think talent-wise, the Dwayne Casey factor. That's who they would match up best against. I just think that would bring that extra heat. Don't you think that? And like, it's already going to be heat because of, of the playoff series. It's a playoff. So obviously more intensity is brought. Obviously. Just but the storyline. The storyline brings more heat to Dwayne, it. Does it not? Dwayne Casey back in the playoffs this year with a different team. It's the Detroit Pistons. But he gets matched up against the team that fired him. And I just think the storyline brings out a lot of fun. And I... Th- one thing I think about that, too, is I think Blake Griffin would be willing to go to war for Dwayne Casey. I think that's the type of leader he is. He saw, now when the Clippers came to Detroit, it was a disaster after the third quarter. But in L.A., and for the first couple quarters in Detroit, the Pistons went to war for Blake Griffin against the Clippers. And I think he'll, he would reciprocate that heat for his teammates and for his coach. I think he's that kind of leader and that kind of player. And like I said, I don't... I mean, Siakam can maybe match up with Blake Griffin, but I just... I don't know. I think next level playoff Griffin, I don't think there's anyone on that team that could really give him a stop. Well, let's talk about some of those other players on Detroit's roster. Specifically, two big-time players that have really stepped up their play as of late. Big time. Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, the two guys that Detroit began building this team around. Uh, they have been playing much better basketball lately. It's led to the Pistons having a better record. Andre Drummond came back from uh, uh, an injury to the head. I, it was I don't know if it was it was a concussion. Concussion. Yeah, it was a concussion. concussion. And he's come back from that concussion and played absolute monster basketball. And then Reggie Jackson in his own right. Ever since the video bomb to Blake Griffin that kind of caused a national media stir, Reggie Jackson has been balling. He can't miss the bucket. Besides the last two games, he's done a really good job of protecting the basketball. He's scoring. He's assisting. He's even defending at an an average, you know, acceptable level. Um, Those two guys have just absolutely picked it up for Detroit, and it's been so fun and so important to see. It's if the Pistons are going to make this playoff push, which they clearly want to, and they talk about, those two have to keep this level of playoff. 
Uh, it's fantastic to see Reggie Jackson and what he's doing. Because you know what? He, I think he's finally healthy. That's what a lot of people talk about. That's what he seems to say. He's finally feeling alright. His body's uh, not betraying him. He's not sore. He's actually in shape, like full game shape. And he's playing. It's good to see him. He's actually getting around guys. He's not getting stopped by 7-1 centers who can't move their feet. He's just blowing by people now. It's good to have him back. And every shot he takes, he's never been a spot-up shooter. Shooting's never been his his forte. He's more of a take-the-ball-to-the-basket kind of guy. But right now, he's shooting with the confidence that every shot is going in. And he's shooting hella well. And it's great to see. Another adjustment I think Dwayne Casey made is they're not ball-dominant with Blake Griffin as much anymore. They're letting Reggie Jackson handle the ball more. And that's what makes him comfortable. That's what gets him going in the game. And that is good to see that they're doing that. Because Reggie Jackson needs that. That gets him going. And another adjustment Dwayne Casey seems to have made. He's going to more pick and rolls with him, with Reggie Jackson, and Andre Drummond. And that is those two specialty. Those two have the best chemistry when they're doing that on the floor. That gets them the most engaged. So it's good to see, hey, Dwayne Casey wants to run his offense. He's all about it. But he's willing. It took a while. But he's finally willing to make some adjustments to the roster he has. And the style they want to play. And the style Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond want to play, two of your big three, is a little pick and roll. And that's good to see. Andre Drummond coming out and saying, maybe I need to get in my own head a little bit more. Proving he needs to focus a little more. I, The people who want to argue the focus point, I think Andre Drummond just came out and said it right there. He doesn't focus enough. He came out this week and said, maybe I just need to get in my head a little more when I play. If that's not a focus issue, I don't know what is. And it's not saying Andre Drummond isn't good, because he's always been good. But the snub for the All-Star game got to him. He's saying he needs to get in his own head a little more when he plays. And there it is. He's absolutely dominating fools on the court. What's he averaging? It's 22 and 15 and a half or something in the last seven? In his last nine games, he's scored less than 20 points just twice. Uh, he's had 32 and 17 in a game. He scored 29 once, scored 27 once. Those are and in the game, and getting 27 was against Denver, where he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, this is a guy that is absolutely killing it lately. I mean, you go to uh, his game on the 8th where he had 29 points and was just an absolute killer overall. It was a plus 39. Insane. Like, Insane. That's, this is what I always talk about with Andre Drummond. Because when he is locked in, he is an absolute top-line talent in the NBA. You look at the stats that he puts up and... It's just, it's insane what he can really do. 29 and 20, 32 and 17, 21 and 17, 24 and 20, 23 and 15. Like, those are numbers. Those are ungodly numbers. Those and numbers are we've significant. Talked, we've talked about before how sometimes, like early in the season, he would put up like 18 and 16, but like it just felt empty. It felt like a lot of it was at the end of the game when it didn't matter. It was garbage time rebounding. These are so meaningful, all these stats that he's putting up in these games. It's getting Detroit going. It's giving them leads early in games. It's protecting leads the times he puts these numbers up. And, and the biggest thing for me is his free throw percentage has been great in these last games. But most importantly, the field goal percentage. His lowest game was 53.3%, which is, again, I think you'd like a center that plays at the rim to be a little bit more efficient there. But you can take that. He's had multiple games where he shot 80% or better, 60% or better. Uh, so he's been so much more effective with the shots that he's taking. 
And that's been huge because now Detroit isn't losing those possessions where Drummond just kind of throws up an errant shot that really just doesn't have a chance of going in. When he's taking those better looks where he just goes at the rim with his athleticism and just finishes over people and uses his strength rather than the finesse that he struggles with and that's just not his game, it's just so much better for the Pistons. We're, we're just seeing the results. What have we talked about on this podcast and what something Blake Griffin brought up in in a post-game interview when asked about Andre Drummond. He's playing within himself. He's more focused, and he's focusing on what he's good at and what he can do. He's not trying to be something he's not. And look at the results. It's all we've asked for is, Andre, just play within yourself. You can be absolutely dominant if you just focus on the things you are very good at. And these last nine games, that's what he's done. And you see it, whatever it is, it's 21 and a half, 22 and a half, whatever it is, and 15 and a half, or whatever the numbers are in that range, it's been dominating. Dominating. He's, he, he can be a top-line player when he is this locked in. He needs, if, if he's so upset about getting snubbed for the All-Star game, then he can literally never let his foot off the pedal. Sorry, man, you play in Detroit. You're not going to get that national recognition unless you're constantly dominating. I agree. I agree. And one other statistic with Drummond for a guy that's really had issues turning the ball over this year, just one game in his last nine where he's had three turnovers. Other than that, he has just been, he's done a much better job of not turning the basketball over, uh, which is good to see because that was an issue that you just can't have from a guy that really doesn't initiate the offense like he was last year. No, you cannot have that. He was always good before his injury. But there was always something missing. After this injury, what the dude's an alien. Unreal. He's so much more responsible with the ball, taking better shots, playing better defense. He's just so locked in, and it's good to see. And this is how a professional needs to play every night. My guy, you will go to the All-Star game year after year if that's what motivates you. If the accolade of being an All-Star is what motivates you, this is how you need to play in night in and night out. And it will happen for you every year. Because you will be the most dominant center in the game. And the league will take notice. Well, let's talk about his partner in the pick and roll, Reggie Jackson. Wow. I mean, mean, I'm a big Reggie Jackson guy. So for him to have had the season he had, I definitely had to kind of swallow my pride in thinking that Reggie Jackson was going to come back this season and be on a tear. But uh, these last nine or ten games he has been an absolute dominant point guard just really doing a good job leading the offense for Detroit um it it looks like and and I say this tentatively because we've had some flashes before but this 10 game stretch just kind of seems a little bit different but Reggie Jackson just may be back he looks like the Reggie Jackson that led up poor Pistons team to the playoffs three years ago. That's what he looks like right now. It was hard not to write him off with all the injuries that piled up in three years, two and a half years of a guy who just couldn't get it back. Normally guys can get it back after about six months. It took Reggie Jackson two and a half years. There's a reason he started getting written off. Maybe it's just not going to happen for him. But somehow, some way, he's been able to get his body right get healthy, get in full game shape, and he does appear to be back. 
this looks like Reggie Jackson from three years ago. And it's great because he's scoring the ball super efficiently. You look at, well, his field goal percentage, but his three-point percentage, too, because he's taking a lot more threes this year. Uh, it's great to see him knocking down the triple. You look at his overall percentage from the season to the way he's been shooting the ball in his last 10 games, and it's just so much more efficient. Um and that's huge because Detroit needs more shooting in their offense, and Jackson's providing that, which has been a big help to them. He's had a 29.7 assist game. He's at 25 and 5. He's had 12 and 9. This is a guy that's just playing basketball that we haven't seen in a very long time. He had a small stretch earlier in the year where his scoring was up, but he still wasn't distributing the ball great. Um, but overall. Just much better play from him, and I talked about it a little bit, but his defense has been at least adequate too, which I think we've seen stretches where Jackson really can compete defensively, but then there are nights where he just gets absolutely killed on every screen and gets lost defensively. But lately, that's been another thing trending in somewhat of the right direction, and I think you go back to the he spent the entire offseason unable to play basketball. He's been working himself into game shape on the fly in a new offensive system in a new role and now Dwayne Casey reverting the offense back to the pick and roll a lot more, which is great because we just see how dominant Detroit is in the pick and roll. And Reggie Jackson is, well, playing the basketball that led this team to the playoffs years ago. So it's great to see because whether you like it or not, Jackson's trade value around the league is terrible. So you're not, you're not getting rid of him unless you're probably attaching a pick. Not so this offseason. You have to hold on to him, and you have to try to win with him for an organization that wants to win. And when Reggie Jackson is playing this well, all of a sudden, winning is a lot easier. It is a lot easier. Like I said, he just seems more confident in himself. And that shot, every every time he would shoot the ball earlier in the year, I'd be like, oh no, another Reggie Jackson jumper. Right now, he is shooting the ball every time like he knows it's going in. It's just, it's fantastic to see. And I won't lie, I absolutely gave up on him. Because it just didn't seem like, it wasn't because he's not a good player. Reggie Jackson has always been a good player. He just never seemed to fully be able to get over the injuries he had sustained. Constantly getting injured, trying to fight his way back, only to get injured again. It seemed like it had finally caught up with him. But in this last 10 game stretch, he seems to have gotten right. And it's just fantastic to see. And the offense is being tailored more for him and for Andre. They're getting Reggie, like I said, more ball dominant, which makes him comfortable in the game. And it's leading to better results on the offensive end. One player that hasn't shot in the ball well lately, and this is since he's gotten to Detroit, is Wayne Ellington, a player that Detroit got on the buyout market. Was it came The news came out just an hour or so after we recorded last week's podcast. We weren't able to talk about it last week. But Wayne Ellington now in Detroit, and to say he's struggling shooting the basketball in his first few games may be an understatement. Oh, I mean, trust me, he looks like a guy who had only played five games since December, who was in a brand new offense with a brand new team, and he just didn't look comfortable at all. Like He really didn't know what he was doing. I mean, it showed. He went 0 for 11 to start his three-point stretch. At some point, you got to get off the three-point line and try to get a couple easy twos. He did. The, he had the one drive for the two points. Um, what was the game before Boston? New oh. York? 
Um, no, Wizards. The Wizards, yeah, sorry, the Wizards, whoever it was. I can't, all the games just run together almost at this point. <laughs> um, but got off the uh, three-point line, drove, finished. Maybe he needed to start doing a little bit more of that to get himself going, see the ball go in. But then he came out against Boston, started throwing the ball up again from the three-point line. But here's something I want to talk about real quick with Wayne Ellington. I'm more than willing to be patient with him, more than willing, considering brand new team, five games since December, got to work your way into it. I get that. But something the Pistons used to do with Reggie Bullock a lot to start games is play a two-man game with him and Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin would back down and back down in the post, and when Bullock's guy would commit, he'd kick it out to Bullock, and Bullock would have an easy spot up three. They haven't run anything like that for Wayne Ellington yet. You don't see that. Everything Wayne Ellington does is off the pick, the pick and roll, or a pick and pop type situation, catching the ball, shooting. Get him a spot up or two, an easy spot up or two, where he's just a kick out and you can see the ball go in on an easy shot. I think that's what's going to really get him going. That's when the coming off the screen and pulling from three is going to start working better in his favor. Three of 17 from the three-point line in his first two games. Uh, that's 18%. Yep. So that's not great. Um, but I, I think Wayne Ellington's going to play a pretty big role for this. It's going to change. It's gonna, This is not... Water finds its level. What's another thing we've talked about? Themes of the season. Water is going to find its level. He is a career 38 three-point uh, three shooter. 38%. He's not going to continue to shoot 17% from three. It's not going to happen. He might struggle for another game or two now that we have this big, long break for him. They can't get into more of a groove, but he's going to come out of it. Wayne Ellington played 33 minutes against Boston and was in down the stretch. That's when he started to finally hit some shots. It was later in the game. The ball started going in the basket for him. This is a guy that might end up starting for Detroit. They brought him here to start. And... It's crazy how you go from not getting into a game to starting for a team that's in the exact same spot as the team you were just playing for. But Wayne Ellington could play a pretty big role on this team, so the shots are gonna start gotta start falling for him. Another area that he just hasn't looked good at is on the defensive side. Just getting, oh, he looks getting lost, lost, getting lost behind players, ten steps away from the person he should be closing out on. Uh, he's not played good defense, so. If the shot doesn't start falling, this, uh, as Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN paraphrasingly said, this was a big get for Detroit. This could end up being an absolute nothing play for Detroit if it doesn't change for Ellington. But you got to hope it will soon because you look at the lineup for Detroit and the wing spot, well, one of them has been Bruce Brown, but that second wing spot has been teetering between Langston Galloway and then Luke Kennard started against Boston. But... Galloway just has not played well lately. He had a nice stretch at the beginning of the season, but for the last month, maybe two, he's gotten consistent minutes, and he's just not played well, and he's still getting those minutes, and something's got to change there. With with, uh, Langston, he's not even shooting the ball right now. He's just throwing it at the basket. Every three, it's not even like it's close. It's just clang. When he takes the ball to the basket... Easy, like not easy layups. Obviously, guy, he's they're contested. He's throwing them off the top of the backboard, over the rim. It's it's not even close. There is no confidence in his game right now, and there hasn't been in quite some time. He needs to be out of the lineup. 
He just does. I love Langston. He just seems like a great guy in general. And when he gets hot, he gets hot and he can't miss. But that's so few and far between for him right now that you can't have him. It hurts to have him in the lineup. So, if you're Detroit, are you going Bruce Brown, Wayne Ellington, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard, Wade Ellington? What's your starting wings? Because, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. That's been the question all season is who the hell is going to play the two and the three? Right. I think your dream scenario is Kennard and Ellington. I think that's what you want. I think that gives you unreal shooting if they live up to their potential, both of them around Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin at this point could kick to Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and Wayne Ellington all for three, and you know they're going to knock it down. I think that's your dream. But I think eventually, realistically, it has to go to Bruce Brown and Wayne Ellington. You and I are big Luke Kennard advocates. I want to start him. I want him to play as much as possible because clearly next year is the year. Not saying they're going to win a championship or anything, but clearly what they want to do is really rev up for next year and get everything going again. But the bench needs Luke Kennard so badly. He is their playmaker. He's their offensive threat. He is their leader. It's not Ish. It's not Zaza. It's Luke Kennard. He's the one who gets everything going. He has built a very, very nice rapport with them. And you saw it in the Boston game. You take Luke Kennard away from the bench, the bench cannot score at all. It's too late in the season for Wayne Ellington to build that sort of rapport coming off the bench with that group. And Bruce Brown doesn't really provide any offense. He's had a couple games where he's, his shots seem to be falling a little bit, and he's taking the ball strong in the basket and finishing. But in general, he doesn't bring much on the offensive end. If you want any production out of your bench, it's going to be from Luke Kennard. And then Ish Smith is going to play off of that and get his game going. That's where they're at right now. It's unfortunate because I have to agree with you, but I look at the talent and I look at the potential of Luke Kennard, and there's no question that he should be starting. I think he can be a star. Not a superstar. I won't go that far. But I think he can be a star who should absolutely be starting. You're right. He should be starting, but Detroit's bench is so bad and lacks every shot, you know, shot creating ability, three point shooting ability that they're going to be forced to stick him on the bench the rest of the season. And I guess you live with it. This season is lost anyway, even if they squeak into the eighth seed. The playoffs are just house money at that point. But the next year in the off season, you gotta you gotta spend money to get. Something on the wing. You need to get a shot, a shot making, shot creating wing for the bench, so that Luke Kennard can start. And the thing is, you won't really have the money going into the off season unless you're willing to part ways with players and let Svi and uh, Kyrie Thomas move into the lineup. And I'm not going to have any money unless you're willing to do that. Well, and, and the thing with that is, and I, and with this season already not really going to mean that much if Detroit, even if Detroit squeaks in the A seed. Part of me just thinks that they should throw Luke Kennard in the starting lineup with Ellington or Bruce Brown and then play Svi and play Kyrie with Ish and with Thon and then with Zaza and let those guys learn how to create a little bit. Let Ish lead that second unit and have knockdown shooters and Kyrie and Svi 
And Svi can play make with the ball a little bit, so I think you can get away with that. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think there's so much talent with Luke Kennard. There's really no question that he should be starting. And I think pigeonholing him to the bench, it, it, it's just... It, it limits him. No, I, trust me. I absolutely 100% agree. Free Luke. But if they're serious, they're not just fans like me and you or commentators like me and you for the Pistons. They're serious. Their goal and their profession is to make the playoffs and to make a run. And what is the best thing for this team as a whole? Not for Luke Kennard individually, but for the team as a whole. To have his offense coming with, in with that bench unit. Because they can't, I mean, Ish can, you know, he has games on and games off where he creates his own shot and he gets it going. And that's fine. He quickens the pace. And that's all good. But Luke has proven he can be a true playmaker through the ball fakes, getting other people involved, his shot, driving to the rim. There's no one on the bench who can do that if you put him in the starting lineup. Nobody. Quick final topic here. Thon Maker, uh, now a piston. Not necessarily filling up the stat sheet, but overall, I've liked what I've seen from from Maker in his few games with Detroit. Thon Maker is so damn raw. It's not even funny. But my goodness, if I don't love the energy he brings to that team when he's out there. And he does. He works hard as hell. And there is definitely something there if he can get developed properly. I really like the potential of Thon Maker. I love it. My biggest thing with him is, outside of the hustle, I love that he's a guy that you can plug in next to Andre or next to Blake because he can play the four and the five. And he hasn't done it yet, but he can hit from the corner from three, the three-point line. I like that potential. I really like that he can play with both Blake and Andre. He's versatile, my friend. And that's, a, that's something Detroit hasn't had. They have not had a third big that's versatile enough to play with both the Detroit's two best player. This is why even though maybe Zaza's a little more suited right now to play, his minutes are going to Thon Maker. When the first big off the bench always every game so far that he's been in, it's Thon Maker. Cuz he he you can plug him in better with Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin. When him and Andre are in the lane, how do you even accomplish anything? That's 7-1 in about 7 foot, 6-11 and a half with wingspans uh, that stretch the whole arena guarding the paint. Like, that's just two big boys in there. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, that's how I would describe this podcast. I think it was I, awesome. I, it was really nice. It was real nice just to have a nice conversation with you today. I, yeah. I like when Brennan's not here. Less tension in the room. So much less tension in the room. And, you know, because this podcast was awesome and because Brennan wasn't here, why don't you folks head over to our iTunes page Hit the subscribe button, leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow us on SoundCloud. And then, why don't you head over to Twitter? You can follow Palace of Pistons on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. You can follow Ryan on Twitter, at Ryan Pay. And you can follow myself on Twitter, at A Johnson MBA. You can follow Palace of Pistons on Instagram, at Palace Pistons. And make sure you're checking out the website, palaceofpistons.com. Uh, I think that would be pretty awesome of you guys if you could do all of that. I agree. That would be pretty awesome. Seriously, guys, hit us up. Hey, talk to us on Twitter. You know, talk to us on Facebook. Uh, listen to the pod. Tell your friends. Do all of it. We want to get involved with you guys. We always talk about it, and we're doing more of it. Listen, we're here for you guys. This is a good show. We have fun. 
talking to you guys, getting involved with you guys. Let's get the word out there, man. Let's keep it going. We're growing. All right, well, this was an awesome episode. I want to thank all the awesome people for tuning in to this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. And as Brendan Johnson would say, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.